Corinthians chapter number 3. First Amen. That's a brother that's enthused and excited. I like that. I like that. Putting all the rest of y'all to shame. <laughs> amen. Bless God. Are you there? You can say amen. And I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal, as to babes in Christ. I fed you with milk. <clears throat> and not with solid food, for until now you were not able to receive it. And even now you are still not able, for you are still carnal. Everybody say carnal. For where there is, or where, for where there are envy, strife, divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? For one says, I am of Paul, <clears throat> and another, I am of Apollos. Are you not carnal? Who then is Paul, and who is Apollos, but ministers through whom you believed, as the Lord gave to each one? I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase. So then, neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Let us pray. Father, we do thank you this morning for your word. Father, we thank you that your presence is here right now. I pray, Father God, that you would remove the clutter. Remove anything and everything that will hinder the free flowing of this word. May this word spoken today be inspired completely and totally by your Holy Spirit. May we see all of you, none of me. Father, will you please bring us closer to you? For we do love you and we honor your word. We respect your word. And so, Lord, come and speak today. Move by your Holy Spirit like only you can do, and we'll give you the praise for it. And all of God's people said amen. 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 You may be seated in the Lord's presence. Last week we had begun a brand new series talking about maturity. We talked about the importance of growing up in the things of God, and that spiritual growth is really not an option. That spiritual growth, is, spiritual growth is expected of each and every one of us. All of us are called to grow up in the things of God. Amen? All of us are called to progress. We're called to press forward. We're called not to be content where we are. And so as we looked at that last week, this week, we want to talk about the issue of immaturity, because to first to understand what maturity is, we also must understand what immaturity is, because we want to be people of God. We want to be a church that is full of mature disciples, and that people grow at the rate that they are supposed to grow. Amen? We want to be that kind of church. And so... As we talk about spiritual maturity, 
we want to talk about it this morning, not in the sense we talk, first of all, we, we underscore spiritual. Because we're talking about growing spiritually. This is not just growing in age or we're talking about physical growth. We're talking about spiritual growth. Now understand something that the Bible says in Romans chapter 8 that it is God's desire. He predestined us to be conformed. Everybody say conformed. To the image of Christ. So let's, let's, let's understand it again. God predestined, that means you and I, those of us who have been saved, predestined us to be conformed to the image of Christ. Which means, watch this, <clears throat> God's number one agenda is not to make us happy. Some of you right now, you're thinking, that didn't sound right. I created some tension in the room. Contrary to popular belief, God's number one agenda is not to make you happy. Because how many of you know that he could do that, right? And ultimately, we know that it will happen. But Jesus said in this world, we will have trouble. We will have tribulation. So we understand that there's trouble all around us. And, and, and Jesus, how many know he suffered? Yet the Bible said it pleased God, the Father, to bruise Jesus. It pleased the Father. And as Jesus suffered, we are also to endure. We are to endure hardship. We are to endure persecution. We are to endure hurt feelings. We are to endure offenses. How many know that we are called overcomers? In fact, no, the Bible says we're more than overcomers. So what God is after is he wants us to be conformed. Everybody say conform to the image of Christ. So as it relates to spiritual maturity, the more like Christ we are, the more mature we are. Does that make sense? The less of Christ that we are, the less mature that we are. And one of the things that is so very, very important as it relates to spiritual growth, how many know that God, God is going to stretch you? How many of you have ever had your feet stepped on? <laughs> one of the things that is so important as it relates to spiritual growth if you're going to grow up in the things of God, you got to realize and understand this. If you're really serious, if you're a serious believer, you're going to have your toes stepped on. In order for you to grow spiritually and mature in the things of God, understand this, you will have to deal with from time to time your, your, your number getting dialed. God calling you out. I've had people sit in the church and say, well, you were talking about me. It's not me talking about you. God is going to call you out. If you're going to grow, you have to understand that I'm going to expect for somebody to say something to me that I'm not going to like. I used to be one of those, and you know, when I first got saved, I would rush to the church, and the church I was a part of was in Maryland, and I used to love to get on the front. I wanted to get on the front row because I wanted to hear everything. And you know what? And, 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 and in some strange way, when the preacher says something that, that rubbed my feathers the wrong way. I know y'all ain't never had that happen here, right? I've never said nothing to rub your feathers the wrong way. In some strange way, I never sit there and say, well, I, unbelievable. How is he going to be just, you know, because I read the word and I wanted to be accountable to God. So the first question I ask is, 
is what the preacher is saying is true according to the word of God. So then if he says something that offends me, then that means that I need to come under and I need to drop my own agenda and say, God, that's me and I need to fix it and get it right. I mean, no, immature people, they don't do that. Immature people stump, turn their backs, and they walk away because they don't want to be confronted with truth. And if we're going to grow up spiritually, we got to understand that, listen, that I'm going to be offended. They're going to say something. I mean, no, because God knows, our, God knows what we are. God knows our secrets. He understands what's in our brain. He understands what we go through. He understands the secret things that we do behind closed doors that nobody else sees. Yes, God sees all of it. And when you come into the house of God, your attitude must be, Lord, I'm sitting here today, not to be critical, but I'm sitting here today, God, because I want you to speak to me. Because I want to be transformed. And if you're born again, you're a child of God, your goal is, I want to be, I want to be so much like Christ. Paul put it this way. Paul says, Paul says, I want to know him. I want to know him, the, the fellowship of his suffering, the power of his resurrection. I mean, when you talk about the fellowship of his suffering, Paul had got to a point in his life with God where he understood that whatever it took to be like Christ, he wanted to do it. And there should be something very uncomfortable, uncomfortable, uncomfortable about us when we don't act like Christ. There should be something in us to say, wait a minute, that's not right. I, I need to change my attitude. I need to change my heart. I need to allow God to speak to me to change. If you're, if you're not a person that can receive rebuke and correction, you will never grow in the things of God. You can forget it. If you're one of those who think you got it all figured out, I'll be the first one to tell you that I'm a man that is loaded with mistakes. I don't have it figured out. Every single day of my life, I am growing. I, I, I'm, pri I'm trying really hard to, to figure this thing out. And the more I walk with God, the more I realize I don't know. I don't know what I think or what I thought I knew. And so it forces me to be in a position of humility. See, God resists the what? But he gives grace to the who? Humble. God resists. I don't want God resisting me. I need his power every day. I need his grace every day. I need the courage to walk right now. And I don't want, listen, you can fight against me. I'm fine with that. I can have everybody else on my job upset, mad at me, and fighting against me. That's fine. But the last thing I want, I don't want God to be fighting and resisting me because of pride in my own heart. So we must, we must understand as it relates to maturity that it comes at a cost. You say, well, I want to grow up in the things of God. I want to grow. I want to be like Christ. You know, they have a little armband that says, what would Jesus do? That's fine if you ask them that question in the context of whatever Jesus would do, I'm going to do it too. But we don't just need to ask the question, what would Jesus do? We need to also respond with whatever he asks of me. I am ready to do it. 
even the hard stuff. Because until we get to that point, we're always going to be stagnant. We're always going to have difficulty. Hence, it brings us to Corinthians chapter 3. The Apostle Paul had established the church of, of Corinth. Church of Corinth was one of Paul's babies in the literal sense. Paul had planted his church when he had great affection for the Corinthian church. But the Corinthian church had a lot of issues. They had issues with sexual immorality in the church. They had theological problems because there were people that did not believe in the resurrection that they were spreading around. There was this gross abuse of spiritual gifts in the church. There were, they were very, very egotistical in the church. There were people, they had cliques in the church. And so Paul, who planted this church, he would often, like he did with a lot of the churches that he planted, he would always, he would either visit them or he would send letters. Hence, you have the book of Philippians, the book of Colossians, Ephesians. All these were letters. Paul was communicating to the church about the will of God. So as we read the book of Corinthians, we discover that these people were really, really messed up really bad. They had a lot of problems in their church. The people were not growing. And Paul takes issue because at some point, as we said last week, there must be some evidence of us moving forward. Amen? We should not be where we were two, three months ago, four months ago, a year ago. How many of you honestly can raise your hand and say, Pastor, since I got saved, I've seen myself grow? How many of you also say that sometimes it hurts? Amen. <laughs> How many of you also say that sometimes it's hard? Discipleship. Salvation is free. It's by the grace of God. But discipleship costs you your life. And it's hard following Christ. You must take up your cross, Jesus says, and you must follow me. Take up your cross, your cross. Everybody, everyone in here have a cross. And depending on who you are, who you are, your cross is different, but it represents hardship, suffering, things that you've got to endure. You and I must endure. And that's why I don't have too many, I don't have, I, listen, I don't have time to be so trying to figure out your cross because mine is pretty heavy. But as it relates to this maturity thing, Paul just comes into the church and in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, he, he got to try to set this thing right. And as I read 1 Corinthians chapter 3, I cannot help but know that even in, in today's Christian circles, that there's a lot of immaturity in churches today. Where people are supposed to be behaving a certain way, and yet they are still stuck, stagnant. Can I be, can I be very honest with you and very direct? I will not pastor of people that refuse to grow. I won't. When you come here, you will be challenged. For some folk, that scares them. Because in, in so many churches today, the attitude is, give me something that I want to hear. Preach something that I want to hear. Will you please, pastor, preach something to just encourage me? Sometimes just the opposite. 
God oftentimes is going, he's going to give you a word, but a lot of times it's not going to encourage you in the way that you think encouragement ought to happen. Sometimes he come in there with a word of rebuke and he says, repent. You need to stop doing what you're doing or you're going to die in your sin. How do we know that we must speak the truth in love? Amen. Love always is the undercurrent, right? Love is always the, the thrust. But we got to be a people that understand the importance of being transformed. Romans 12 says, be not conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Be transformed. That means changed. Look at the neighbor and say, change. change. Not what President Obama talked about four years ago. Change as it relates to our life. I mean, you're supposed to change. Why would you come to church and expect that I just want to be the same? Why would you come to church to a church that only preach what you want to hear? I find that good preachers and good churches preach stuff that make people upset sometimes. Because it forces you to grow. And I've heard people come to me and say, Pastor, that word spoke to me. And that's good. But I've heard other people come to me and say, you know, I got an issue. You said something today that I need to get right. And I said, said, praise God. Praise God. Paul comes to the Corinthian church with a rebuke. He comes to set the record straight. Watch what he says here. He says, and I, brethren, could not speak to you as to spiritual. When he says spiritual, He's using it in the context of mature believers. See, the more that we are led and guided by the Holy Spirit, the more mature we are. So Paul said, I could not speak to you as as spiritual. I could not speak to you as mature believers. I had a desire to, and you almost hear it in Paul's voice, that I really wanted to come to you in this way. I really wanted to address some things, and I I wanted to go deeper. How do you know there's a deeper level in God? Paul said, I wanted to go deeper with you, but you weren't ready. Listen to what he says. He says, I cannot speak to you as to spiritual people, but as to carnal. Person that is carnal, that means a person that is led by their flesh. Amen? How many know you still got that old ugly flesh? How many know your flesh is constantly trying to tell you to do things that you know God's word says don't do? How many know we all have to wrestle with our flesh? And so when Paul speaks of carnality, he's talking about a person that is being led by their fleshly impulses. And if we're going to be a changed people, one of the first things that we got to understand, the Bible said that those who are led by the Spirit of God, these are the sons of God. So he says, I had to speak to you as babes in Christ. I remember my wife and all my kids were really small, one, two years old, and they kissed her and started talking. My wife, she used to love it. And I'm talking specifically about my firstborn, Christian. Um, it was funny when I would come home, my wife like had so much to talk about. She would talk, she would talk, she would talk. And, uh, and what she would tell me is that because all day long, all I've been saying is mama, dad, dad, light, yeah, light, car, car, truck, truck, chicken, chicken, apple, apple. 
And my wife would just love, she, all she wanted me to come home so that she could have an adult conversation. She wanted to talk to someone in full sentences. And it drove her nuts. And so I come home, Pastor Bailey tired, but my wife wanted to talk. Y'all boys, brothers, help me out. You, you know how that goes. You know. We love them, don't we? Can't live without them. And I'm thinking, I got to work. I got to get some sleep. She wants to talk. Paul says, I had to talk to you like babies. As we said last week, it's okay to be a baby. It's not okay to stay there. Amen. <laughs> Paul said, I got to talk to you like salvation, yeah, grace, save, Jesus, save, yes, Jesus, save, yes. In other words, I couldn't talk to you as mature, and I'm a little bit disappointed because I thought that, that, that you were supposed to be a little bit different, but I come back, you still got the bottle in your mouth. Your diaper is still dirty. Nobody has changed you. And y'all may know what I'm talking about with a smelly diaper. My wife, I used to always figure out a way to get out of that. <laughs> she could tell you stories about that. But Paul was saying that you, you, you still stink. You still got... You're all messy. You have, not, you have not grown. You should be at a point where you should be putting on your own pants. Changing your own clothes. You should be walking by now. Well, what are you doing with it? What are you doing still in that situation? Why are you still? I'm disappointed to come back and find that you have not matured. I had to talk to you like a baby. Like a baby. He says, I fed you with milk and not with solid food. I couldn't give you the more weightier things of God. I mean, what Jesus said in John 16 that there were certain things Jesus said to the disciples. He says, look, there's a lot of things that I want to share, to you, share with you, but I can't give it to you right now because you're not ready. How many know that we need to be ready? And if we're going to be ready, it means that we must grow beyond some things. And we'll talk about that here in a second. Because some of you are saying, well, I'm, I'm gone. I've arrived. In almost 22 years of doing this thing, I can tell you I have not arrived. And if you ever tell me that you've arrived, I will look at you and say, you still get that bottle out of your mouth. You are still a baby. You, you are out of your mind. You have not arrived. Nobody has arrived. We're being conformed day by day. But watch what Paul says. He says, I fed you with milk and not with solid food. He's almost, he's saying this in a regrettable way. For until now you were not able to receive it. He said, even now while I'm here, while I'm writing this letter, you still cannot receive the deeper things of God. You still are struggling with immaturity. You are still a baby. And even now, you are still not able. But here's the rebuke. He said, you are still carnal. Uh-oh, this is, this is where some believers are. That's, that's enough, Paul. That's enough. You called me carnal. You just offended me, Paul. How can you, who do you think you are, Paul? 
Who are you, Paul, to come and tell me that I'm carnal, that I'm fleshly? How would you like if I just come up to you and say, you carnal, Christian? How would y'all like that? You'd be like, excuse me? Yeah, Paul said, you are still carnal. Understand something now. Are you with me? Say amen. amen. Carnality is immaturity. Because carnality, as you can read it in Galatians 5, we don't have time to go over it, and we'll look at a few that Paul announces here. Paul is making the case, you're still a baby, I can't talk to you like mature Christians, and, and he said, because you're still carnal, number one. But then he goes out, watch this. He now decides to explain what it is. He now wants to explain, okay, you're carnal, you're immature, but let me explain to you what that is, just in case somebody missed it. How many know that sometimes we miss it? I say, how many know that sometimes we miss it? Amen. Talk back to me. Amen. Let me know that you're living. Help me preach up here. Don't leave me out there. Now watch what he says. Carnal. He said, now here's what he says. He, he's going to define the carnality that was plaguing the Corinthian church. He said, for where there is envy, strife, divisions among you, are you not carnal and behaving like mere men? Okay, let me paraphrase, let me translate. He said, y'all are acting like people that ain't even saved. How many know church people ought to be different? We're supposed to smell different. We're supposed to walk different. We're not supposed to be like the world. Paul said, look, Paul said, y'all are still, he said, not only are you carnal, but you're acting like mere men. You're acting as though the word of God has never been taught to you. You act as though you've never been exposed to truth. The first one he mentioned there is envy. Envy. Everybody say envy. How many know that there's a lot of unfortunate jealousy in the body of Christ even? Sometimes we struggle with being happy for one another, don't we? Especially if somebody got something that you wanted. The tendency is to be like, yeah, yeah, it's good you got it, but that should have been me. And, uh, I really can't rejoice with you because I really want that. I mean, how come you ain't been doing this and doing that? And, and, and after all, I, I've been walking with God, really. I'm really serious with God. And, and, and how is it that, that you're more blessed than me? Because after all, it's what? Me. Jealousy and envy is demonic to the core. We must be people. Watch this. Paul says in the Corinthian church, people were jealous of each other. Maybe in the spiritual gifts, maybe people got, people got promoted in the kingdom of God, or, or people, maybe people had better houses. I can't say better cars back in those days, but whatever their mode of transportation was, some high-class camels, whatever. <laughs> you know, work with me, I'm trying. I didn't preach heresy. I just said camels, high class, and whatever. I, I imagine there were some good camels and bad camels. I don't know. Whatever they rode on back in those days. But there was jealousy. The people weren't rejoicing with each other. 
They were jealous of it. Paul said, y'all envy each other. Y'all, how many know when you're envious of, when we're envious of each other, then we're operating against each other. I am supposed to rejoice in your success. Watch this. Authentically rejoice. Because you know we got to a point now we can hide that. Oh, praise the Lord. That's good. Hallelujah. It should have been me. Because, you know, I really walk with God. And, 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 and after all, I'm better. I could do better with that anyway. How many know that when you walk with God, what God has for you is for you and nobody can take it from you? Amen. You know, I tell you the truth right now, and this is the honest truth. I've been, I've been having this, uh, this fantasy, this love affair with this thing called a Can-Am. Don't, don't say nothing, brother. He's going to kill me. It's, it's a motorcycle. You know, I don't got, it's two-wheeler, two wheels in front and one in the back. Brother told me, he said, that if I bought one of those things, I can't be a part of his motorcycle group. He said, because anything that got three wheels ain't a motorcycle. I said, brother, I feel bad. He said, you pass, I might, but, you know, we're going to laugh at you. But you know what? If Brother Sean walks in here and he drive a nice Can-Am, I ain't going to look at Sean and say, God, you're going to bless that. I'm going to be like, Praise the Lord, brother. Let me get a ride. What's yours is mine. Mine is yours. I'm not going to envy you. I'm going to rejoice with you. We need to celebrate when people succeed in the kingdom. When you get a promotion on your job, if God bless you financially, if God bless you in any way, we ought to say, thank the Lord. Hallelujah. Good for you. Good for you. That's called maturity. The image, you know how kids are. It's mine. And you know, kids got a problem. We don't even teach them that, do we? We don't teach kids how to be selfish. But automatically, they come right up out the room. The first word they learn is mine. You didn't teach them that. Mine. Mine. And you get something, they'll get indignant, and they'll snatch stuff right out of your hand. Kids, you ever seen kids, they go at it, and they're going at it. In the spirit, that's how we look sometimes in the kingdom of God. Mine. And we can't rejoice. Turn with me to James chapter 4. Chapter 3. Go to James. Go there real quick. When you get there, say amen. James chapter 3, verse 14 through 16. Can I get a big amen? Amen. Amen. But, start at verse 14. Watch this now. But if you have bitter envy, everybody say bitter. bitter. I mean, that's the kind of envy where you got to a point, you ain't just jealous. I mean, if you had a chance, you would do something to hurt them. That you're plotting to their demise. How many of you got any people like that? You know people like that, that are jealous over you. But don't, don't, don't get mad back at them now. You walk in the spirit. Because mature believers don't act crazy like that. We love people no matter how they treat us. Now watch what he says. But if you have bitter envy and self-seeking in your heart, do not boast and lie against the truth. Paul said it. Paul said it. Listen to what he says. I'm sorry, James. He says, 
He talks about self-seeking. You know what a self-seeking person is? That's a person that's all about themselves. It's all about what I want. It's all about what I feel. It's all about what I think. It's all about me. A person of self-seeking are consumed with them what? Selves. Does anybody know why Satan got kicked out of heaven? Because he was consumed with himself. He thought that he was just a little bit better than everybody else. He looked a little better. That spirit of pride still is at work today. Self-seeking is a person that don't think about the body and what's best for the church. They think about what's best for them. Now, you must have a healthy perspective of yourself. Amen? But it just can't be about you. You got to understand, if you want to be on the cutting edge of what God is doing in the earth, you need to think kingdom. Too many people make decisions often because they're consumed with themselves. And Jesus says, if any man come out to me, he must deny him what? <laughs> that self-denial thing, that's a tricky thing, ain't it? I even know self-denial is hard. Especially when you really feel very strongly about something. And I have discovered in my life that the things that I'm sometimes passionate about, a lot of times God will come, he'll come with that, what do you call that thing that the construction people use? And God just started breaking up stuff. <laughs> He's like, ow! That's what he does. He comes. He coming at, he just started breaking up. Because God can't use a selfish Christian. God can't use you. You see, this is the thing, you know, like, like somebody come to me, well, but I, I feel called to preach. I'm called to preach. They don't understand. Preaching is service. To people and giving your life. You call a call to preach and you want to get up in the middle of the night. You want to answer crazy phone calls all the time. You want to do stuff. You want to sacrifice. You got to give up stuff. It's about service. See? It's about selflessness. It's you giving of yourself. When you're called to ministry, you're called to give up your what? Yourself. And to serve the greater good. Serve the body. Now, understand what he says. He says, now, where there's envy, watch this, bitter envy, and self-seeking in your hearts, do not boast and lie against the truth. He says, now, this wisdom does not descend from above. So what he's saying is that a person that's full of envy, jealousy, and self-seeking, this, this is not a God thing. In other words, God ain't got nothing to do with a person that's selfish, which is immaturity, and a person that is full of envy and jealousy. God has nothing to do with it. Watch this. He says, now, this wisdom does not descend from above, but is what? Earthly. Sensual and what? Demonic. Remember I said earlier, the selfishness and jealousy is demonic to the core. For where envy, watch this, verse 16, it gets worse. For where envy and self-seeking exists, confusion, everybody say confusion. confusion. And every evil thing are there. Confusion, watch this. And he didn't stop there, but he said confusion and every other evil thing that he didn't even name. Now the word confusion means disorder. All right? 
that means muddy, out of place, confusion. God cannot work where there is confusion. The devil loves commotion and confusion. I come home, I hate it. I hate confusion because I know that it is the bedrock for the demonic. That's why Paul said, let everything be done in decency and with order. Because if it's not done with order, then we allow the presence of the evil one to come in and disrupt. Well, you say, well, you know what? I, I you know, I, I, I just come to church. I had one lady come, one lady came to us one time. She said, well, I, I come to church. And, and she wanted to serve, but she says she's going to do it on her own terms. I said, not in this church. If everybody in here, think about it, if everybody in here, we work hard to try to do what we do on Sunday. We're not perfect. We've got room for improvement. Amen? Amen? I'll be the first one to tell you that. But think about it. If everybody just came and did what they want, when they want, and how they want it, how can we ever have any cohesion? If, if, if he didn't do what he does with the sound ministry, if she didn't do what she does and be here with the PowerPoint, if the people didn't open the door, if, if the ushers didn't do what they do, if everybody wasn't punctual and timely, how many know that it affects everybody? Everybody gets affected because if you don't do your job, it affects me. But if you're too self-seeking, then you never see that. If you're about yourself, you're just like, well, I don't have to, I can come pray, I can pray at home. It ain't about that. It's about us. It's about us. It's not about, it's about us. Doing what God wants us to do together. God speaks to us individually, and how many know he speaks to us collectively? Amen. God has a word for this church. If you're part of this church, God has a word for you in this church, and we have to work together, and we don't want to allow the enemy to come in and confuse us. We want there to be a steady stream of God's grace. A place where everybody who comes in these doors, they feel the love of God. And, they, and everybody who walked through those doors and said, you know what? I feel so loved here because these people prepared for my arrival. Good God Almighty. Amen. I mean, no, God will bless the people like that. Because I'm not serving me, I'm serving, see, when I sign up and do anything as a preacher, I mean, no, I can't preach based on how you look and how you respond, because I wouldn't be up here. Right. I do what I do because God called me. I have a mandate from God, and so I'm so scared to offend him, I don't want to do anything half-heartedly for him. I'm scared of that. Amen. Amen. I, I mean, it, 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 it terrifies me because I have a responsibility before God. And so when I sign my name, I'm signing, I'm saying, God, this is me honoring you. I will not dishonor God under any circumstances. Not for any person, not for anybody. I will not dishonor God. Amen. I will not. Now watch. Let's keep going. He says, where are we? We're in James chapter 4. Now, he also mentions strife. Right? Go back to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. Run there real quick. How much time we have? Okay, we got a few more minutes. Come on, run with me real quick. Are you there? First Corinthians chapter 3. He says, now where there's envy, we talked about envy, and then he mentions strife. You know, strife, <laughs> that's when people are fighting against each other. 
the Corinthian church, they were fighting against each other. I actually looked up that word, and it, it actually said often physical violence, strife, going at it. I have never witnessed this, but I've heard of churches and talked to other pastors where they had full-fledged fistfights in the church. Can you think of anything that's more dishonoring to God? I mean, I've heard pastors say, they, got, they, they went at it right there in the leadership. They were I mean, throwing some mean left and right hooks. In Jesus' name. I'll knock you out in Jesus' name. How do you want to be a part of that? I don't want to be a strife. I mean, there are some folk that just love strife, that they figure out a way to keep stuff. You got people on a job like that. Sometimes people in the church like that. That they're not happy unless they can get somebody else to be unhappy. So they just stir up stuff. Stir up stuff. Watch what he says. Turn to Proverbs chapter 26. Proverbs 26, 20. Run there real quick. Okay. Amen? Come on, run with me. Run with me. Amen. Amen. I like that, brother. We need to give like little awards out to everybody to get the scripture first and say amen. Encourage us to read. How many know God does reward his people? You know that. That's not unbiblical. Y'all in, in uh, Proverbs 26, 20. Amen. It says where there is no wood, the fire goes what? <laughs> and where there is no talebearer, strife what? As charcoal is to burning coals and Wood to fire, so is a contentious man to kindle strife. How many know the Bible says, blessed are the peacemakers, but these are the children of God. You know, as a child of God, you are supposed to relish peace. That you and I are supposed to be people, now not just here, how many know it should be a given here in the church? But you know what, you ain't just a Christian right here in the church. I say you're not a Christian just here in the church. You're also a Christian out there. And so God had to convict me. I had God, I mean, God stepped on me royally. Let me know the Bible says what you, you reap what you sow. Well, how can I say this? We had a supervisor. I got a new supervisor, and he started making some changes. And in my spirit, in my spirit, I was, a little, I was kind of grumbling a little bit. And then one day, we're sitting there, and the Holy Spirit, you know how God just talked to you, you know, and he just hits you, and you just know it's God because you, then you feel like, you feel funny. You're like, it's like one of those moments. And God just spoke to me and said, you know, you cannot have a, you could not be working today. Um, you ought to thank me that you have a job. And you ought to thank me that you have a boss. Because there's a lot of people who can't find a job right now. There's a lot of people that are jobless, that are looking. And God convicted me. And while, while everybody, well, there's other people that's, that wanted to create some strife because they don't like it. How do we know we find our situ, ourselves in a situation we don't like? What do we tend to do? Resist. Fight it. I'm going to put it down. I'm going to make life difficult because I don't like it. You and me, we are called when everybody else is complaining. How many know God don't want complaining children? When you complain, you're immature. Amen? 
I said, when you complain, you are immature. So God don't want us to be immature Christians. God want us to be mature Christians. That we don't complain. Amen. She want to give me something because my head is sweating. Thank you, sister. I'm almost done. All right. So strife. Paul said the Corinthian church was full of strife. How many know that we need not to be people like that? That's immaturity. Learn to be a person that makes for peace. In fact, you be the person that bridges the gap. As much as it lies within you, as much as you can, the Bible says be at peace with everybody. Now, sometimes it's really hard, amen? But if we can't be at peace with each other, how in the world are we going to go out there and preach peace to anybody else to come to God? How many know that we are the light of the world? We are the light of the world. If you can't get along with me, you don't love God. If you don't like me, you don't love God. Save it. If you don't like me, you don't love God. How many know we're called to love each other? And lastly, what what he says here, he says, Divisions. He mentioned that thing, divisions. He said, where there's division among you. He's your, he's your carnal. What is division? Look at, you're in Proverbs already, right? Look at chapter 6. Can I have six more minutes? Y'all didn't say that with authority. Amen. I mean, y'all get, I mean, it's like, stay with me. Don't, don't, I mean, it's, it's, I want to get this to you. Amen. It'll bless you. Just hang in there for a second. Now, how many know that we need to love what God loves, we need to hate what God hates? Amen. All right? Is that fair enough? Yes. We need to love what God loves, and we need to hate what God hates. Now, God lists here in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 16 through 19, he lists six things the Lord hates. But watch. He said, but the seventh thing is an abomination to him. In other words, he said, I detest that. I mean, I absolutely hate this. I mean, this is worse than hate. This is a step above that. Watch what he says. Here's what God hates. A proud look. A lying tongue. See, this is why we don't want to be a part of anything, any, any lying, right? We got to be honest with one another. We got to be truthful. Hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked plans. And feet that are swift and run into evil. A false witness who speak lies, watch this, and one who sows discord among the brethren. He said, that last one right there, he says, it's an abomination to him. Has anybody here played piano and who's bold enough? Well, gosh, I just, sorry about that. I didn't mean to do that to you, brother. But you know what I'm talking about. I wasn't even thinking that, but you know, when, 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 when you play piano, and, and piano, I, lo- I wish I would have learned how to play it when I was in college, but I was in a different place. Somebody say, thank God he saved him. Thank God he saved I was in the I, was, I won't write at the time. I won't write. I won't write. That's all you need to know. Don't come ask me no details about my life. I just won't write. Okay? But I was in the music. You know, I was a music major. I started off in college as a music major, but I ran from it. And, and one of the, I've always liked the piano because you can play, it's like a series of instruments and notes and sounds that blend together and it blends together and makes something very beautiful. But then have you ever seen like a kid or somebody who don't know what they're doing on the piano they just go clang, 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 and just start banging on it? It's like, oh, God, 
Stop! Get off the piano! Leave it alone! You know, every now and then you see some folks like they have one of those things up in the mall, and you see somebody walk up there and just start hitting on it. I'm like, brother, you're killing me. You make me want to leave the mall. I mean, you know, that God wants us to be a people that work in harmony together. We must not sow discord amongst each other. The Bible says that where there's unity, God commands what? Blessing. He also says in Acts chapter 2, verse 40, he said that the church was blessed because they were in one, they were on one accord. The Bible also says in Ephesians chapter 4 that we must endeavor. Everybody say endeavor. endeavor. What does endeavor mean? It ain't easy. <laughs> you know, unity is not an easy thing. But the Bible says that we are to endeavor to keep the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Paul said that you all are just, you, you, you're divided. And what was their division about? Watch this. They had clicks. I'm with Paul. I'm with this person. I'm, I'm with Sister April because Sister April really annoying that the rest of y'all are not. I'm with, I'm with Sister Jill because Sister Jill, she just got anointing for the kid and the rest of y'all, y'all don't understand anything. See, I'm with Brother Lawrence. Uh, Brother, Brother Lawrence because he, he got a real nice motorcycle and we're the motorcycle club. And so if you can't ride a motorcycle, just go on over there and talk to somebody else. We got this over here. Everybody say clicks. They had a whole bunch of that in, in the church. And they were saying, look, I'm a Paul. I'm a Paul. Paul said, Paul said, no, wait a minute. Why are y'all tripping? Who are we? I'm just a servant of God. I mean, no, God, God only works. I mean, you want your church to be blessed. Amen. You want your church to be blessed. Don't be divisive. I mean, you want your family to be blessed. Don't be divisive. Build up your house. Build up your home. Build up one another. Don't give way to the spirit of division. He says, endeavor to keep the unity of peace and the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. Lastly, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 10. I want you to put your eyes on this and then we're done. I had more, but we're done. I got to stop. Maybe I'll put like an encore version of it online or something. Y'all in the first, look at 1 Corinthians chapter 1, I'm sorry. Chapter 1, verse 10, you there? Now watch this. This is, this is the Apostle Paul talking. He said, now I plead with you. Now the word plead, Paul is saying, listen, I, I beg you, brethren, by the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you all speak the same what? And that there be no what? Among you, but that you be perfectly joined what? Together in the same mind and in the same judgment. Watch. For it has been declared to me concerning you, my brethren. Now he, he says, it's been declared to me, you my brothers now. So he, he makes that distinction. By those of Cleo's household. I mean, look, there was a snitch in the house. No, we don't like the word snitch. Cleo. That brother Cleo went and told Paul, said, look, Paul, you need to come over here. These people are just, they messed up. Cleo snitched by those of Cleo's household that there are contentions, fights, arguments, 
You can't get along. You're fighting each other among you. Now, I say this that each of you says, I'm a Paul and I'm Apollos or I'm a Cephas, I'm of Christ. Is Christ divided? Was Paul crucified for you? Paul said, I'm not all of that. He was an apostle. Or were you baptized in the name of Paul? Paul said, I thank God that I baptized none of you except Cephas and Gaius. What was Paul saying? Paul was pointing out the fact that the Corinthian church was an immature church. They were an immature people because they were envious, they were full of strife, and they were very divisive. How many know all those ingredients make this good for crash and burn? If we're going to be a people that God wants us to be, we must learn to figure out how to make things work. And we must also be honest with one another to say, if I blow it, I blow it. I don't want to be immature. I don't want to be 50 with a bottle in my mouth like the baby that's over there. She's cute. She's supposed to be, that baby's supposed to be like that. But check back in another two, three weeks in a month or two, things will be different. How many know that with us, things ought to be different every day? Every head is bowed, every eye is closed. God, we love you, we love you, we thank you, we thank you. If you're here this morning and you've heard this word preached and uh, the Holy Spirit has convicted you that you're not right with God, I want to give you an opportunity to give your life to Jesus today. You say, Pastor, I'm not saved. I'm not sure if I die today that I'm going to go to heaven. In fact, God's been dealing with me. He's been calling me. I've been running. I've been trying to figure all of it out on my own. I haven't done the things I'm supposed to do. I know I'm supposed to walk with God, but, but, but there's been a hindrance. There have been some people in my life that's made it difficult, and I keep finding myself not following through, and I know I'm supposed to do right, but there's something that's holding me back. But today I hear your voice, God, and I want to make it right. Today you can make it right by saying, Lord, I'm going to give my life to you today, and I'm not going to turn back. I'm not going to live for the world any longer. Is there one today who would say, Pastor, I'm ready to go all the way with Jesus. I'm ready to go all the way. I'm ready to give my life completely and totally. Is there one? Please don't leave this church today not knowing that you're saved. Please don't leave this church. By raising your hand, you're saying, Pastor, I want to give my life to Jesus today. And I want to live for him. I want to live for him. I love him so much. I want to live for him. Is there one? And maybe you've heard this word this morning. I'm talking to you Christians. And maybe you have exhibited some of the behavior that the Apostle Paul has talked about this morning in his word. The Corinthian church. There were devices. They were full of strife, full of envy. They were angry. They were opposing each other, fighting each other. Everything that God doesn't want, this church was doing. And maybe in some way the Holy Spirit has convicted you. Just take a moment and allow the Holy Spirit to search your heart. And if he's convicted you, just lift your hand up to the Lord, not to man. Nobody's looking around. This is just between you and God. By raising your hands to God, you're saying to God, that's me, and I'm ready to change. I'm ready to get it right. 
spiritually mature is being honest with ourselves, honest with God, honest with one another. shortcomings and you know our you know all of our challenges our attitudes you understand us Lord better than we understand ourselves will you please look on the hearts of everybody here this morning Father we desire to grow spiritually we don't want to be immature Christians God you called us to grow up and Father we're going to be committed to that Look at us, Lord, and if there's any of us who are in a place that we shouldn't be right now in our hearts, will you please convict us and talk to us? And Lord God, for those of us, Lord, who are on the pathway of growth, Lord, help us to grow and to keep growing and to keep gaining strength. Help us to keep growing and keep gaining strength, Lord, and being the people that you want us to be. We love you, we praise you, and we thank you. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, church, stand to your feet. And while you do, give God a praise. Amen. 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 If anybody desires special prayer at the end, please come and see me. We'll be here to pray with you and encourage you uh, as you walk with God. And um, before we close, I wanted to, uh, uh, Sister April has, is it a niece? Uh, her niece, what's their niece's name? Uh, her name is Gabrielle. The media called her Gabby. The media called her Gabby. She's a gym, gymnast. She's in the gymnastics, and she's in the Olympics. So look for Gabby. That's her niece. Pray for Gabby. Amen. Pray that she do well and, and watch it. We want to support her, amen, because she's getting a godly influence. I mean, know that we want to support her, Amen. We want to support one another. Let's raise your hands to the Lord and we'll close. Father, we thank you. We love you. Now unto him who is able to keep us from falling and present us faultless before his throne of grace. To him be glory, dominion, power now forevermore. And Father, we do pray, Lord, for Gabby, that you will bless her. And but Father, that you will use her for your glory. Use her for your glory in the name of Jesus. Bless your people as they leave this place. Bless them with your presence. Bless us with unity. Bless us with love. Bless us with togetherness. And Father, we'll see, we'll see one another next week. We love you and we praise you. And all God's people said amen. 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 Be blessed. Have a great week. Something's up, I think.